Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. Good afternoon, and the Most High, in the name of Christ, bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. At this point, I'd like to remind all the listeners that our chat room is open and available for their comments or questions. Um, today's title, title, the show is titled, Post-Birth Abortion, The Next Step. Now, this comes about as a result of me uh, coming across an article from uh, February 27th of this year, and the title of the article is Ethicists Argue in Favor of At-the-Birth Abortions as Newborns Are Not Persons. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So joining me here in the virtual living room to discuss this, we have, uh, first of all, our brother Kabar. Yes, shalom, brothers and sisters. Once again, it's good to be with you uh, and to enjoy the show. I'm giving all praise, honor, and glory to the Heavenly Father and His Son, Christ, for the opportunity to bring forth their doctrine as it is written in the Bible. We also have with us our brother Kazakia. Hey, shalom to all the brothers. On the panel, shalom to our audience. Um, giving all praise to the Heavenly Father in Christ is definitely good to be back, and uh, this promises to be a very interesting topic that we've got for for discussion today. And today, play and producer, we have our brother Abaja in the virtual living room. Hey, shalom to everyone. I'm just going to be in the background, so uh, not officially on the show, but all praises. All right, and finally, we have with us uh, a special guest today to discuss this particular topic. We have with us our brother Kadar. Hey, shalom, everyone. All praises and most in Christ that we're here again, and Lord willing, bringing forth the doctrine of the Lord. Brothers, you know, I, I certainly do appreciate uh, each of you uh, being present here today in the virtual living room to discuss this topic. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those that... Um, it's really surprising to me to see it. And I think it's probably going to be surprising to a lot of people, including those people that would be considered um, uh, pro-abortion. I think many of them would be surprised that, uh, you know, because one of the notions about abortion is that at, at a certain point in uh, a baby's, from the, from the time of conception up to the time a baby is born, Early on in that process, that it's just a bunch of cells. There's really no life there or anything like that. It's not a, considered to be a human in anything. Okay? But then I don't think anybody at all would say to you that when a child is born nine months, a full-term pregnancy, a child is born, that that child is not a person. That child is not human. There's no life there. Right, because the argument has been in the past that there's no life there, so the abortion is fine because you're not you're not killing anybody, you're not doing any harm. 
So it's shocking to me, and I would assume that's the same for you brothers, that someone would have an argument that newborns are not persons. How can that be? So what I want to do, uh, first of all, is, uh, Kadar, you are a special guest, and you sent me some information regarding abortions. And uh, just for the sake of our audience, because at one time in my life, I really had no notion about what an abortion was. And I suppose that other people that are like that, they, they may not know what it is. They may have some ill-conceived notions about what it is. So, Kadar, just in its basic uh, sense, what is the definition for abortion, just the basic bare bones definition? Um, the bare bones definition is terminating an unwanted pregnancy. And what that means is, well, I know we're going to go into it, but basically you're murdering a child that's growing within you. Okay. Now, you know, there are a lot of people that will argue with you about that, you know, whether that's murder or not. Um, because for the same reasons I just stated that, you know, early on in the pregnancy, uh, that uh, it's nothing but a bunch of cells, there's no life there. Why do you say that, why do you say that it's, it's murdering a child? Well, I'm going to read something, and I'm going to start in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 11, verse 4, okay? And, and this is actually a very evil story of what happened with someone, but the point is going to come out about why I said it's murdering a child. This is Second Samuel, chapter 11, verse 4. And David sent messages, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. So David took this woman and had sex with her. And let's find out what happened. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. So from the moment of conception, because there's a lot of argument in the world in scientific terms, what scientists say, so forth and so on, about when a pregnancy actually occurs or when it becomes a child. But when the Lord said it, and in the scriptures throughout the Bible, you see that once the woman conceived, which means once the woman became pregnant, she said, I am with child, because that is a child growing within them. So for anyone to terminate that, to kill it, to end it in whatever shape, form, or whatever, that goes back into the scriptures in Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 20, what does it tell you? Verse 13, thou shall not kill. So that's simple and plain. When you terminate an abortion or you terminate a pregnancy or you abort a fetus, that's just all polite, politically correct ways of saying you murdered a child. Okay. So now, just just so that we're ultra, ultra clear on uh, what, you, what you're bringing out through the scriptures here, um, there, there's this thing called uh, a, a day after pill or something like that so that the, the day after you have intercourse, that you can take this pill, and that it prevents pregnancy the day afterwards. So that there's no. Uh, so that's another method of birth control. So now, if if someone on on one particular day, say say today, uh, they were to uh, have sex, and the egg was fertilized, you're looking at that as the day of conception. Am I right? That, the, the scriptures just said that's conception. Okay. When she conceived, she turned and said, I am with child, because that's what it was. Okay. So then tomorrow, would it be 
murder if they were to take uh, that pill so that, you know, the the pregnancy wouldn't go any further than just a few hours? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure that we're clear exactly what we mean when um, you say that it's, it's murder. All right. So let let me go into this article, and it's going to take me a moment here because this 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 article is um, just a little bit lengthy, but I think it's important that I read to you every bit of this article, and uh, this is um, written by uh, the Blaze Faith, and let me see who the what is the artist's name? The artist's name is uh, Lil Climus, and it reads uh, Alberto. Gibellini and uh, with Monash University in Melbourne. This is Australia, uh, in fact, uh, in Melbourne, and Francesca Minerva at the Center for Applied Philosophy and Public Ethics at the University of Melbourne write that in circumstances occurring after birth, such that they would have justified abortion, what we call after birth after birth abortion should be permissible. The two are quick to note that they prefer the term afterbirth abortion as opposed to emphaticide. Why? Because it emphasizes that the moral status of the individual killed is comparable with that of a fetus on which abortions in the traditional sense are performed rather than to that of a child. The authors also do not agree with the term euthanasia, for this practice as the best interest of the person who would be killed is not necessarily the primary reason his or her life is being terminated. In other words, it may be in the parent's best interest to terminate the life, not the newborn's. The circumstances, the Arthur state, where afterbirth abortion should be considered acceptable includes instances where the newborn would be putting the well-being of the family at risk even if it had the potential for an acceptable life. The authors cite Down syndrome as an example, stating that while the quality of life of individuals with Downs is often reported as happy, such children might be an unbearable burden on the family and on society as a whole when the state economically provides for their care. And I want to stop right there and do a couple of things. First of all, I want to uh, welcome our brother Gadaiwan to the program. Hey, shalom, bro. And um, I just want to add on to what Kadar was saying, because um, if someone kills a pregnant woman, it's considered a double homicide. That's very true. So when they get it twisted, it's like, okay, it's uh, because it's a legal procedure, it's not considered murder. But if you went out and someone killed a woman that that had a child at any stage of development, this is law in many of the states in America, any stage of development, it would it would be considered a double homicide. Okay. And and, and your side, while while we're on that point, mm-hmm. not not only in the law of the land would that could be considered a double homicide, but also in the scriptures. And I want to read through that very quickly in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 to 25. And it says, If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, 
and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband shall lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So this is letting you know if two men fight and they hurt a woman that's pregnant and it causes the woman to have an early um, birth, an early pregnancy, where the, the not an early pregnancy, but where the baby is born early, prematurely, mm-hmm. it said that if no mischief follow, meaning if that baby survives, then the person is going to have to pay a fine, but that's going to be it, according to what the husband determines. And if any mischief follow, meaning if the child dies or something or there's some harm to that child, then thou shalt give life for life. So that's saying life for life, and, and as we read on, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, womb for womb, stripe for stripe. That's talking about if any harm comes to that child, that's what's going to happen. So to put it in plain terms, if two men are fighting, they hurt a woman, the, the woman has a premature birth and that child dies, then that man dies. A lot of people didn't know that whole thing, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, actually came talking about babies that were born early or babies that were um, that had came out early because of a what? Miscarriage. Fighting. Due to a miscarriage uh, from fighting. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just on so top of that, I like to read the... Baby. Ahead, I like to read. I like to read the statute for Georgia because that's where your brothers are. I'm in, I'm in England, but um, Georgia says the killing of an unborn child after quickening is feticide, vehicle feticide, or feticide by vessel. So I guess that quickening means after the conception. Actually, no, no. The quickening is there's a stage at um at in the pregnancy where. <clears throat> like the uh, the woman can feel the baby moving. Usually, that's around the fourth or fifth month, um, and then that's the that's the stage it's talking about. Okay. Right. Well, here's another one in um, Minnesota yeah. says the killing of an unborn child at any stage of prenatal development is murder, first, second, or third degree, or manslaughter, first or second degree. It is also a felony to cause the death of an unborn child during the commission of a felony. So many so then, many states, it, it varies. So then, in, in that case, with the scenario that I painted earlier, where you know here's someone today having intercourse, and tomorrow, uh, and 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 the woman conceives, they don't they're not even aware of it. But tomorrow, uh, he happens to murder this woman, or someone does kill the woman, and in the autopsy, they determine that she had actually conceived, then that would be a double homicide. Double homicide. Depending well, on what state you're in, but according to the scriptures, then yes. And, okay, well, Josiah, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's, you said a scenario, but it's really not a scenario because I can't remember where, but someone, a brother, sent an article out just this week where this man killed a woman for refusing to have an abortion, and he's going to be charged yeah. with homicide. So that's not a scenario; that's an actual situation that's happening, and he's going to be charged with double murder. Right. And I, I remember also, seeing that headline. Also, just to just to go back right into that definition of abortion, because Kadar brought up the definition, but there's also something we want to add to it, which okay. is the reason why we why we having this discussion. And uh, in, in the definition, this is um, a dictionary online that tells you an induced termination of a pregnancy with destruction of the embryo or fetus. So it, it specifically tells you 
basically at what stage this is happening at. And, of course, you have people who really want to push the envelope to, you know, it, it's been pushed to uh, partial birth abortion, okay? The envelope was pushed there, and now it's being pushed to after birth abortions, meaning the child is out in the world. I mean, and if if, if you want to go even further, I mean, and it was done in Nazi Germany, the feeble-minded or, or, or the ill or the cripple or whatever, they were just exterminated. Grown people, they were just lined up and shot dead. I mean, you it, it would sound a, a little, uh, I guess, asinine to try to say that now, but look at how this the envelope has been pushed, and it could go that far. It's come this far. We're stopping it from going a step, two steps, ten steps down the road to where it's legal to just kill people who uh, are infirm or feeble-minded. That. That's what the eugenics program was about. It was actually practiced in the United States as far as sterilizing uh, grown adults because they felt the baby was either would be infirm or, or <clears throat> the parents would produce more feeble or uh, <clears throat> uh, diseased children, so on and so forth. And this is some of the reasons that's being stated in this article because the child may be have Down syndrome or there must be some infirmity in the child as a justification for the afterbirth or the murder of the child. So we see, you know, there, there's a history of where this is actually coming from. It was actually practiced as a eugenics program in America and later adapted in Nazi Germany and carried out to some of its fullest extent as far as the exterminations of particular races and groups and for particular reasons as disease or mental infirmity, so on and so forth. So there's a history of what we're talking about here actual reality. You know, Kabar, I'm, I'm really glad that you uh, are bringing the things up about uh, the reasons why they, they, they're doing this, because people are, are, are infirm, diseased, and so forth. So, it's, you know, it's, it's some matter of convenience, but, you know, many times people, when they get the abortions, it's because, okay, I, I don't want, uh, I'm not married to her, uh, I'm not married to him, I don't want to have his baby, you know, uh, that is the reason. It, there's not a thing about you know. But what you're what you're describing situations where folks may actually be married, and they may make a decision because uh, there have been some tests conducted on the baby, and the baby has some type of disease or infirmary or something, and uh, now they want to terminate uh, that life. So uh, I'm glad you're bringing that up because it gives me an opportunity to play a clip by. Um, Someone that could be considered the author of eugenics in the United States, which is Margaret Sanger, and your brothers have talked about murder and how this is murder from the day of conception. It's murder, and murder as we know it is a sin. So I want you to hear what Margaret Sanger had to say about sin. This is an interview that was done back in the late 1950s, I believe. And uh, I believe the, the guy interviewing Margaret Sanger is Mike Wallace. And I think you guys know uh, Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes. Here's the clip. Do you believe in sin? When I say believe, I don't mean in believe in committing sin. Do you believe there is such a thing as, a, as sin? Well, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically, delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things, just mock when they're born. That, to me, is the greatest sin. Okay, now, 
Um, brothers, you, you jump in where, wherever you feel like it, but let me let me just go ahead and throw something out to you that, you know, you brothers have an advantage because you studied the scriptures. You understand a, a lot of things about sin that people have no notion about it. So now, if you're one of those persons, one of those persons that have no notion of what sin is, that is some uh, abstract idea out there someplace or something that you do bad, Here's this woman that's bringing up a very compelling idea about eradicating criminals, disease, other undesirable elements from the population. That could be appealing on some level if you don't have knowledge of what sin is. Don't you brothers agree with that? It could be. And if I just real quick, just to tie... The eugenics program and Margaret Singer to exactly with this uh, Alberto Gubellini and um, Francesca from these universities where they're coming from mm-hmm. is the exact same frame of thought school of teaching. In that first article that you read, the last paragraph says the authors cite Down syndrome as an example, stating that while the quality of life of individuals with Down syndrome is often reported as happy, pay attention. Such children might be an unbearable burden on the family and on society as a whole when the state of economic uh, economically when the state economically provides their care. So you got to understand what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, this this child may be a burden on the family and on society as a whole, and therefore steps should be taken or can be taken to eliminate that burden which is exactly what Margaret Singh is talking about and coming from and what eugenics, eugenics seeks to uh, accomplish. So let's just marry the two together because they're the same thing where it's coming from. Okay. But also but also you talk about, uh, you know, there might be some desirable traits to this. You heard the woman give her, you know, uh, idea what she felt sin was, the biggest sin is bringing these type of children into the world. That's what she's saying. Right. Let's just get a definition of what sin is according to the Bible. It says, First uh, John chapter three and verse four says, "Whosoever committeth sin, transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law." Meaning, God in His wisdom has provided commandments, especially now through Christ, with the understanding of how to apply them. But men have decided to break those commandments and not live by them. Because they break those commandments, that sin being committed. But see, we live in a world where people have devised and developed their own ideas of sin. But it's not anything the scriptures hadn't already described what happened to mankind. In Psalms 82 and verse 5, it says, They know not, neither will they understand. They walk in darkness. Talk about man. It says, All the foundations of the earth are out of course, meaning, the, the foundations meaning the basic principles, basic moral principles, and those moral principles are based on God's law. It says that those foundations which are supposed to govern the earth are out of course. So now what that means is men can't, turn, can't tell their right hand from their left or good from evil or right from wrong because you don't have the God of the scriptures telling you that. So now you walk in darkness and blindness and you make up your own definitions of what you feel sin is like we heard Margaret Singer do. Okay. So, well, thank you. Yo, yo sorry, ahead, can, I, can I jump on that point? Absolutely, you can. 
Um, this is John 15 and 22. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to go into a few examples in the scriptures, and I'm going to explain why in a second. Okay. This is John 15 and 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. So Kabar just dealt with what sin is. He's dealing with how the whole world, the foundations of the earth are out of course. Because what people are doing now is they're saying we live in a different time, and because we're living in those times, things are different now. But what you don't understand is that those people, children with disabilities, children with problems, they were always around. Did Christ say kill them or that's acceptable? Absolutely not. And we're going to go to a few examples. This first one is in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. And this shows you that there were children that had disabilities or were born with different things throughout the scriptures. That doesn't make them someone cursed. That doesn't give you permission to slay them. This is Acts 3 and 1. And it said, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So this first child we're looking at, this child couldn't walk from birth. And that is something that Margaret Sanger would have considered an undesirable. As you go on and read the scriptures, this man was healed of the Lord. But let's mm -hmm. go on, let's get another example. This is John, um, no, we're not going to go to John yet. This is Matthew chapter 17. Mm-hmm. Because here's another child that would be considered undesirable. Because didn't she say lunatics? Um, I believe that she alluded to things like that, yeah. So this is Matthew 7 and 17 and 14. And when there came to him the multitude, there came a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. So... As you read on, and we, we're just going to the point to show this, this man was cured of his illness. Mm -hmm. Let's go on and see in John chapter 9, verse 1. And there's a lot of different examples that we could bring out. I'm just bringing out a few to show you that even back during the time of Christ, there were children born that had disabilities or whatever you want to call a handicap, but that didn't give anyone the right to kill that person like this person is suggesting. And this is, um, this is the point in John 9 and 1. It says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Once again, he came out, he was born blind. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So we don't know as men and women on this earth why people are born with certain disabilities, why people are born with certain things that the world would deem undesirable, but the Lord knows, and the Lord does works in those people, and as you read on, he healed this man to show his power in him. So who has the right to say, okay, this child is born with the palsy, he should be put to death? Or this child is born with this, he should be put to death. Christ didn't do that. Christ didn't advocate that. So none of us as Christians should be taking hold of that doctrine and saying that it's acceptable in any way, shape, or form. 
And and I speak with such fervor about this because I have children that mm-hmm. were born with disabilities. And things, yes, sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes you do have different things that you have to deal with, but never has it entered into our mind to put them to death before they were born, after they were born, or at any time, because guess what? The doctors did come to us with that madness because Mm -hmm. they have all their little tests, and they can look, and they can see, and they say, listen, this child is going to be, first of all, the things that they said the child was going to be, he was going to be a midget, he wasn't going to be able to walk, he might have this, he might have that. He didn't have any of that. So it shows you how they don't even know what they're talking about, and a lot of people are buying into this madness that these doctors are pushing, but they're going to find out that there's going to be a judgment that they're going to have to pay for that, and the judgment is going to be for the sin of murder. That's why, going back to what Christ said, you don't have a cloak. There is no excuse. There is no reason why a child should be killed. Mm-hmm. And you said a judgment they got to pay is for the sin of murder. What is the judgment for the sin of murder? Sin of, judgment for the sin of murder is death. Are those your words, or that's coming from the scripture? That's coming from the scriptures. Okay. But there's something there's something in that point, if I could, that Kadar alluded to in John the ninth chapter, because the disciples asked Christ, "Who did sin, this man or his parents?" Mm-hmm. Now, this woman, what's her name again? Margaret Sanger, correct? She correct. said that yep. she thought it was a sin for undesirables, more or less, to be brought into this world. Well, here it is. The same example that Kadar brought out, this man would have been considered undesirable, but yet the question was put out. Who sinned that mm-hmm. this particular man was born in this fashion? Him or his parents? Where was the act committed? And Christ said, neither. So it is not a sin if a child is brought, brought forth or born into this world with a certain handicap or a certain limitation or a certain disability. That is not a sin. Furthermore, who knows if that child that was born with that particular handicap or that particular inability would turn out to be one of the the great servants of the Heavenly Father. Who knows that? Who are we to make that judgment or not to make that judgment? First of all, 1 Corinthians 3 and 19, I got to read this. This is 1 Corinthians 3 and 19, and it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness for God, for it is written, he take up the wise in their own craftiness. So all these doctors with their theories, with their ideas, with their quote-unquote professional opinions, all of that in the eyes of the Lord is foolishness. PSI, just to, just to go back and bring it out according to the scriptures, like the brother already mentioned, in Exodus 20 and 13, it tells you, Thou shalt not kill, meaning mm-hmm. thou shalt not murder. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get kind of caught up on that word, so Christ clarified it. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 18, when he said, And he saith unto him, which, going into the man who was asking Christ about eternal life and the commandments, and Jesus says, Thou shalt do no murder. Right? That's what we're talking about here. Meaning, just like in the laws of the land here, okay, there are laws according to the scriptures that all men are supposed to be bound by. In the which in the in the past, when certain sins are committed, they were worthy of death. All right, so that was a justifiable or lawful killing of a sinner or evil doer. Nowadays, under Christ, no one has the the authority to execute those capital punishments. Only God. 
but there is a justifiable or lawful killing, and that's what the scriptures uh, will support. But unjustifiable, unlawful killings, which the scriptures talk about in Exodus 20:13, and also Christ clarifying in Matthew 19 and 18, that's murder. Okay, and murder is a sin, and and that sin of murder, of course, uh, eventually people who commit these things unrepentantly and move forward in their life. With that, with that, those sins and 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 won't repent. That the, the judgment is going to be damnation, like we read in the scriptures. And I can get to that scripture in a minute. Okay. Um, yes, brother. Um, the undesirable, because when you look at Margaret Sanger, mm-hmm. they did do um, things as far as on white people, but the main people that they targeted was black and Latinos and wasn't anything wrong with these um, black and Latinos. And when you look at the scriptures, it's always been a case of the enemy trying to destroy us. And I refer back to Exodus. This is Exodus 1 and 16. And and it says, and he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then you shall live. So there it was out and out straight. The, the daughter or the son comes out, and they just kill him and put him to death. There was no guise of undesirables. It was just straight because all this thing is a guise, okay? You need to uh, get rid of the, the, the children that may have birth defects. They're going to cause a burden to society. And all that is just ancient paganism. And it's really what the brothers are bringing out is murder. And let me jump down to the 22nd verse. Because the midwives wouldn't go along with the murdering of the sons of the Israelites. And it says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So you see that happen in society today with with a lot of uh, the young black men, they're being destroyed and put into prison. Is something that's being done to our nation as people. And we're the ones that's really aborting our children more than any other race on the planet Earth, the so-called blacks and Latinos. And it's something that we have to stop. Now, it's not something that's being pressed upon us. We're doing it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And, and um, two points. I want to go back because you asked a question, and I just want to make sure – Kabar brought it out, but I'm going to go to another scripture that goes exactly. It just says it very plainly. This is Exodus 21 and 12. It says, he that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. So the judgment for someone killing another person is that they die themselves. Okay. But, and that's why you look at, like, in the article it talked about how they wanted to get away from that word infanticide. Because when you look at that word, C-I-D-E means to what? To kill. So they want to get any way around what they're dealing with by calling it different names and putting all these euphemisms on it. But what it is is murder, homicide, suicide, um, infanticide. All of those words mean different ways of killing something. And that's why they said, let's get rid of that side off of it and just call it something else. Exactly. Homicide. And homicide. And Exercise. I'm not sure if you said it, but also know that Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. 
And mm-hmm. where do you see Planned Parenthood clinics? All over black and Latino neighborhoods because that's what they're pushing. They're trying to kill off as many of the undesirables, when, which are just not people with disabilities. The undesirables are the people whose neighborhoods they're putting those clinics in. Okay. Well, brothers, at this point, what I'd like to do is uh, go to a, a, a very brief intermission, and when we come back, I want to continue on reading this article. And as I go through the article, reading it uh, at any point, if you want to jump in and make a comment, uh, please, please do. Okay. The Body of Christ Church invites you to listen to all our programs on Blog Talk Radio. These programs are meant to edify the listener regarding repentance and good works that come through the Holy Scriptures. The weekly program schedule is Sunday at 2 p.m., Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m., and Saturday at 9 a.m., all Eastern Standard Time. Our Spanish broadcast is at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time each Saturday at blogtalkradio.com slash ICDC. Please accept our invitation to call in to our show at 646-716-7749. Your comments or questions are eagerly encouraged, whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. Again, call in now. Please dial 646-716-7749. In today's world, people have been deceived and their minds have been polluted by the doctrine of devils and many tools of Satan. When people are confronted with the true word of God, it is very difficult for them to handle. John 8 and 32 reads, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Come and join the Body of Christ Church every Monday at 8 p.m. as the true word of God is rightly divided for the edification of the church and ask yourself this question can you handle the truth Okay, uh, we're back, and today we're discussing uh, an article titled Ethicists Argue in Favor of Afterbirth Abortions as Newborns Are Not Persons. Uh, Very, very surprising title. This is uh, dated uh, February 27th of this year, and um, I want to go ahead and pick back up in this article where I left off. It it reads, uh, the authors cite Down syndrome as an example stating that while the quality of life of individuals with Downs is often often reported as happy, such children might be an unbearable burden on the family and on society as a whole when the state economically provides for their care. This means a newborn whose family or society that could be socially, economically, or psychologically burdened or damaged by the newborn should have the ability to seek out an afterbirth abortion. They state that afterbirth abortions are not preferable 
over early term abortions of fetuses, but should circumstances change with the family or the fetus in the womb, then they advocate that this option should be made available. The authors go on to state that the moral status of a newborn is equivalent to a fetus in that it cannot be considered a person in the morally relevant sense. On this point, the authors write, both a fetus and a newborn certainly are human beings and potential persons, but neither is a person in the sense of subject of a moral right to life. We take person to mean an individual who is capable of attributing to her own existence some, at least, basic value such that being deprived of this existence represents a loss to her. Merely being human is not in itself a reason for ascribing someone a right to life. Indeed, many humans are not considered subjects of a right to life. Spare embryos where research on embryo stem cells is permitted. Fetuses where abortion is permitted. Criminals where capital punishment is legal. Ghibellini and Minerva believed that being able to understand the value of a different situation, which often depends on mental development, determines personhood. For example, being able to tell the difference between an undesirable situation and a desirable one. They note that fetuses and newborns are potential persons. The authors do acknowledge that a mother, who they cite as an example of a true person, can attribute subjective moral rights to the fetus or newborn, but they state this is only a projected moral status. The authors counter the argument that, though, that these potential persons have the right to reach their potential by stating it is overridden by the interest of actual people, parents, family, society, to pursue their own well-being as we have just argued, many potential people cannot be harmed by not being brought into existence. And what about adoption? Ghibellini and Minerva write that as for the mother putting the child up for adoption, her emotional state should be considered as a trumping right. For instance, if she were to suffer psychological distress from giving up her child to someone else, they state that natural mothers can dream their child will return to them. Then after birth abortion should be considered as an allowable alternative. The authors do not tackle the issue of what age an infant would be considered a person. The National Catholic Register thinks that these authors are right. Once you accept their ideas on personhood, the register states that the argument made by the ethicist is almost pro-life in that it highlights the absurdity of the abortion argument. The second we allow ourselves to become the arbiters of who, who is human and who isn't, this is the calamitous yet inevitable end. Once you say all human life is not sacred, the rest is just drawing random lines in the sand. So, brothers, that pretty much concludes that article. And if anybody would like to weigh in on anything at this point, 
you may do so. Otherwise, I want to go on to something just slightly different. Okay. Um, I would like to read Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 4, and, it, and the point is in verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest out forth, excuse me, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So the overall point is, despite these very jargonistic opinions that these, uh, that these doctors are given, look at what the scripture says. Lord said, in this particular case, Lord said, I was telling Jeremiah, before you were even born, I knew you. So, mm-hmm. so there is that that quote unquote personhood right there. Uh, and you can also look at look at that in the same instance, and uh, as uh, John the Baptist, uh, when when he was in the womb, when Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth, John the Baptist actually leapt in Elizabeth's womb when he heard Mary's voice. So therein, um, so therein, his life itself one, and two, of course, at this particular stage in the game, the, these fetuses are not capable of taking care of themselves. But who are they to say that they aren't persons or they are not human beings? Okay. And also, that's a great question. Also, you know, you 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 got these you know people giving their opinions and statements and you know their level of understanding. None of it is based on the scriptures. First Corinthians three nineteen, the scriptures tell us. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, God taketh the wise and their own craftiness. So it shows you that this, what people are professing to be knowledge or understanding of wisdom is actually foolishness. And most high is going to take them in their own craftiness, which is going, is going to show that they, this, their own works are going to be their own destruction. And, and the thing is that we can't allow ourselves, people can't allow themselves to get uh, taken by this foolishness. It was the same doctors and scientists who said breastfeeding was bad, that the earth was flat, and all of these other opinions that were scientific fact at the time. And we see time and time again the mistakes that men uh, uh, make because their judgments and understanding is not based on the scriptures. And this is just simply another example of that. And and let me jump right on that same point. This is Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5. And it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit. So just like Kabar was explaining, they're not dealing with anything spiritual. They don't understand anything that the scriptures are showing us to do. They don't understand a portion of what the Most High is telling us to do because their God is science, their God is this world, their God is Satan. But it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, not with fetus, not with cells, but with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. So it's the Most High, the Heavenly Father, that creates all things. Just like we read back in Genesis, he's the creator of all. They don't understand it. They don't respect it. They worship Satan, so they don't have any respect for it, and they'll kill what the Lord has made, but they'll be judged for that, like we we spoke on earlier. And uh, let me read something, um, Josiah, about the, because you're going on about as a baby, a person, and so forth and so on. 
let me read this. This is um, Luke, the first chapter, and let's see, the 44th verse. It says, For lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So this is uh, Mary and her cousin and the unborn John the Baptist. He recognized Mary's voice as the mother of our Lord and Savior. So how can that be? And, you know, they have all these different things now where they put on the baby or the baby can hear you and talk to the baby. So Good eye one. Yes. It, okay. You you cut out there for a moment. Were you done? Yeah, I said it sounds like a person to me. If he's recognizing people and people's voices. <laughs> and, and you you know what else? Um, I'm glad you brought that point out, uh, Godwin. Because you know what else? You know I work in education, and what mm-hmm. do they tell the mothers to do so that their children will be good readers? Read, read to them. Read to them while they're where. In the womb. In the, in the, in the, womb. the, belly, the womb. Uh, so it's a bunch of hypocrisy that these people have going on. Because on every level, they know that their babies in those, uh, their babies that are capable of hearing, feeling, and everything inside their mother in every situation, except for when out of greed, lust, weakness, fear, or whatever else have you, you decide that I want to kill them. Exactly, because the scientists <clears throat> going into that verse and point that I was making, <clears throat> you know, the scientists and and, and uh, many, you know, many respected uh, journals and everything will tell you, like the brother saying, read to the baby, so on and so forth. And they recognize it, and it helps them in their own development uh, while they're still in the womb and then after they're born. But you have these, you know, Francesca and this other guy over here who are trying to say basically that child is not a conscious being. They don't have a consciousness. They don't have a personality. They don't have any of that. And then, therefore, they shouldn't be considered people or a person. They should be considered uh, lumps of blood and cells, which is basically unconscious or doesn't have a, a personality. When you have the very same doctors on the other side of the table going to say, well, yeah, if you read to them, they can, it's going to help their development. So you got two opposing views here. So it just goes to show you that it is hypocrisy, like the brother is bringing out, and one doctor is going to say one thing, and another doctor with the same credentials is going to tell you the exact opposite. Let me ask you, brothers. Do you brothers all know uh, who Sherry Shepard is? Sure do. Okay. Uh, for anybody who, who's not aware, Sherry Shepard is uh, the black woman on The View, uh, other than Go- Whoopi Goldberg. I think we all know who Whoopi is. But she's, she's the other black woman on the show The View with Barbara Walters. And uh, what's her name? Hasselbeck. And uh, there's, I think, one other person on there. But at any rate, um, your brothers were talking earlier about the reasons for the abortion being uh, because that uh, the baby may come out to be undesirable. Well, I want you to hear what Sherry Shepard said to say, had to say about abortion. Here's a clip. It's- 
Wait, wait, wait. What about people that can't afford it and have an abortion? What's the argument there? Some people don't want to. Listen, not everybody wants kids. Not everybody wants kids. And that's your case. You should have control of your own body. You should not tell me what to do, and I should not tell you what to do. I don't know what to do. The thing that concerns me with this is, like you said, it's a very difficult thing. But you have so many people out there protesting, and they go, we don't want you to have a baby. Like you said, there's a lot of girls out here that have, you know, babies. And then we say, we don't want you to have a baby. But then they don't have that abortion. They see the fetus, they feel guilty, they go back home. But we let you go. But we don't want you to go to Planned Parenthood to get any birth control so you don't have any more. We don't, we don't, you know, we want to defund the whole thing with second Barbara. But then, you know, do we want you to have the safety net of food stamps and welfare? Then we're the same ones that are going, you keep having these babies and you're not taking care of these babies. So, you know, we stop at the picket signs and we don't help you pass that. So it's so difficult. And I'm and I'm speaking as a girl who had a lot of abortions. And I swear to God, if they had showed me a fetus, I probably wouldn't have. But I would have put my child in a lot of situations that wouldn't have been good because I didn't have the mental capacity to deal with um, having a child. If it was a, you know, it was real difficult. But I think to show it, it's it's such a hard thing. Really hard. I think you would have made you have the baby. I would have had it, and God knows, I mean, he can do anything. And they never say, this is the thing that makes me craziest. No one ever says, listen, and we're going to help you out. No one ever says, listen, don't have that kid. Give it to me. Okay, there there you heard it, brothers. And um, there's a a few things in here I want to draw your attention to. First, I think it was uh, Whoopi said that uh, not everyone wants kids. All right, so now if you don't want kids, society, most people look at abortion as a viable option to not having children. What do you, what's your take on that? Well, if you don't want, if you don't want kids, don't have sex. See, I mean, <clears throat> the Lord set up the environment and the, and the uh, institution in which sex itself was supposed to happen between a man and a woman, and that is in Christ according to the commandments of God, okay? In that union, of course, you know, the father, you know, the children being able to support themselves and the families that they're going to create between a man and a woman, and, and, and in that environment, that's where kids are supposed to be born. But in this society... You want to have contraception and every other thing so that men and women and men and men and women and women can fornicate without without no intentions of ever being married, and I mean between a man and a woman, fornicate, <clears throat> meaning having unlawful, uh, performing unlawful sexual acts, no intention of getting married, and then there it is, the woman ends up pregnant, and the solution, the so-called solution is, have an abortion. That's mm-hmm. not the that's not the that's not the problem. The child is not the problem. The problem is is that you have the problem is the fornication that's going on. The problem is people proper relationships aren't being set up. The problem is society isn't basing uh, its decisions, its judgments, its its institutions of marriage and family based on what the scriptures are saying. That's the problem. But they but the the quick escape is well, the problem is these kids that came out of a, a union with a person I don't even want to be with. Well, why would you deal with the person in the first place? Why are you having sex with the person in the first place 
but you can't even see yourself being in a relationship, being married, or raising children with these people. Mm-hmm. Why are you even engaging in that activity? So that's the foolishness that's going on in the world today. And the quick, the quick answer, the quick out is, well, we'll just murder the baby, and then we can walk away from each other. Okay. Because, um, uh, Zakia, let me draw your attention to something else that uh, Sherry said. Uh, she said that the same people who oppose birth control and abortion often oppose food stamps, welfare, and a safety net that would help women who cannot afford to have children. So, Kazaki, uh, what's your take on that on that statement? Well, um, as far as that that is concerned, we still have to we still have to uh, filter it all through the scriptures and. And that right there draws me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I believe it's verse 19, uh, where it states, hang on for me one second. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I believe it's verse 19, where it says, Yeah, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou, that both thou and thy seed may live. Now, the point of why that scripture came to mind is because of the fact that we all make choices. Mm-hmm. Understand what I'm trying to say. We are all we all make choices, and whatever choice we make is, we have to deal with the consequences of the choices that we make. So the overall point is for young women and young men that go out and they just uh, just haphazardly, just randomly having sex. That's the choice they make. The consequence of that choice is more than likely. They're, they're, a child is going to develop. So now the point of the matter now becomes we have to be responsible. And when I say by be responsible, if you if you have it in you to 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 do want to have sex, then do it the right way. The right way is that you yourself as a man repent, you grow in the spirit of Christ, and the woman she repents and she grows in the spirit of Christ, and then. As they're growing and learning and maturing spiritually, they come together, and then in that instance, in that relationship, that is a true marriage according to the scriptures, then the child comes. They both know the will of the Lord because they have both subjected themselves to it and repenting, and they both can deal with the uh, result of the choices that they made in them coming together, and that is to raise and teach the child. Now, I also have to read Matthew chapter 19, verse starting at verse 10. Now, the, con- uh, the concept of this is Christ was talking about fornication and adultery. And verse 10, it starts off by saying, His disciples say unto him, in the case of the man, excuse me, His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be sold with his wife, it is, good, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, say they to whom it is given. But there are some eunuchs which were so born of their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there, are, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. In other words, what Christ was saying is there are some people who are eunuchs. In other words, they will not have any type of sexual relation with nobody for men's sake and he goes on to say in that same paragraph, there have some there are some that make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And mm-hmm. what that means is that person have sworn off well, swore is a bad word to use, 
but they they will abstain from sexual relations for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of promoting and teaching repentance and growth and following Jesus Christ. So now for persons, that's a, that's a choice that they make. So now what choice are you going to make? Are you going to fornicate and break the commandments and then fall into that, to that, to that category of that unwanted child? Or are you going to repent, learn in Christ, grow in Christ, and then you get married to another person, uh, women get married, men in Christ, and men marry women in Christ, and they raise the children together according to the will of the Lord. And, and but, uh, Josiah, yes. Can I jump in on that point of the of that question too? Y- yes, absolutely. Because we're looking at you asked the question as far as um, like welfare and people being taken care of these people and so forth and so on with these children. But understand this, and and Kazaki touched on one of the major points, which is the point of repentance. Because once we repent and we're doing things the way that we're supposed to do it, then this is where the scripture comes into play that I'm going to read. And this is Psalms chapter 37, verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be a welfare system for the ones of us that are keeping the commandments according to um, to the scriptures and we're coming back and repenting because the Lord is going to be watching out for us. He's going to be watching out for us with other people in the church, and we're going to help one another make it through that. And I can be a witness because people look at me and they say, how do you survive in this day and age with eight kids from kindergarten to college? I have eight children, and we're not on welfare. We're taking care of ourselves, and if there are times we fall on hard times, we can rely on each other and the church to provide and help us out because that's what it is to be a true family in Christ. So once we're living righteously, and walking according to the scriptures, those things are taken care of automatically, and you don't have to worry about it. Oh, praises for that, Josiah. Yes, brother. When you when you look at it, you know the brother's talking about repentance, but these people they're not concerned with repentance. You know, something interesting someone put in the chat room. People are just concerned with themselves, and they're concerned with their own lives. But in the whole, I mean, I was in a I was in a taxi cab and with this old uh, Jamaican guy. He was a taxi driver. And he was speaking about Jamaica. He's like, Jamaica's so bad, man, they should just carpet bomb it. That was his words exactly. When you look at our people, they caught up in sex and, and, and the rap videos and how they betray our women. No one's talking about the righteousness of the scriptures or getting married. You see the woman, she said she had many abortions and she didn't have the mental capacity to raise a child. Well, the way she's talking, it sounded like she needed to be in some kind of mental institution because you just keep getting pregnant and then murdering the child. And what kind of uh, lasting effect is that going to have on her or other people that's doing these things? It doesn't make a viable nation of people. That's why Hosea 4 and 6, you read it all the time, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. There's no education of the scriptures. They keep the Bible out of the school. There's no education uh, of the scriptures at home. Instead, they replace it with Harry Potter and all this paranormal romance. Or the vampires are lovely and they're going to shine and glow and all this kind of thing. So where is Christ? Christ, they're saying, is outdated, is no longer needed. So now it's okay for you to commit murder and kill your babies. 
So this is a condition of our people is because the Lord isn't at the paramount of our lives. But Gadai, when look at something else she said, she said, <clears throat> this is Sherry Shepherd. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I would have put my child in a lot of situations that wouldn't have been good because I didn't have the mental capacity to deal with having a child. Now, I think she was speaking in terms of her becoming pregnant as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that logic? But you know what, Josiah? The brother already stated the point. Now, here it is. Okay, she said she had multiple abortions, which means, obviously, in each time she felt she wasn't in the mental state to deal with having a child, which led her to feel she needed to make an abortion. But here's the thing. She kept doing it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. She's not learning from any of the things that she's doing. She doesn't have any concern about the children she's murdering or, mm-hmm. or, or what she's doing. She just wants to do what she wants to do. And if the result is there's a child being born, the easy out is I'll have an abortion. So the thing is you're dealing with people who have already put aside any type of reason, any type of godliness, any of that, who are only going based off the lust of their flesh and the lust of their mind and the pride of their own life and what they want. That's what she was dealing with. And okay. and um, the other thing she said at the, at the end of that conversation that is just another excuse is that you don't ever hear people saying, um, I'll help you with the baby or I'll take that baby. I was in one of those situations, and I told the person, listen, don't do it. I will take the baby. And you know what they did? They did it anyway. So, it's up to people. People want to do what they want to do. And even if you look in this society right now as it stands, it's hundreds and hundreds of people waiting on um, to adopt babies that can't get anyone to adopt. So that's also mm-hmm. another lie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, your brothers have uh, covered a lot of territory about this whole uh, notion about the, the abortion and so forth. Uh you know, I think it would probably be good if you, we could actually hear from someone who actually uh, works at an abortion clinic, worked in that environment, just kind of get their take on what goes on there. So I have a clip from someone who's actually been a witness to these things. The soil utility room is where nursing staff takes our biohazardous material, our soiled linens, and it also has a urinal in it. That's where nursing staff took these babies and left them to die. I actually wasn't talking about abortion. Yes, we have differences on abortion that are deep and profound. I think they're terribly important. But Barack Obama defended infanticide, the killing of fully born infants who had survived a failed abortion attempt and were then left for hours in soiled linen baskets to die. My name is Jill Stanick, and I'm a registered nurse who witnessed babies being delivered alive and left out to die. And because of my experience, I was asked to testify on the national level before a U.S. House committee and on various state committees. Christ Hospital, and we now know other hospitals and abortion clinics around the country, are involved in an abortion procedure called induced labor abortion. And for this method of abortion, the abortionist inserts a medication into the birth canal of the mom and induces premature labor. And my experience was that they lived as short as a few minutes to once, almost as long as an eight-hour shift. To 
be clear, these were living babies who were left out to die, and they were issued both birth and death certificates according to Illinois state law. One night, a nursing co-worker was taking a live aborted baby to our soiled utility room to die because his parents didn't want to hold him, and she didn't have time to hold him that night. And when she told me what she was doing, I couldn't bear the thought of this suffering child dying alone. And so I cradled and rocked him for the 45 minutes that he lived. He had Down syndrome and was between 21 and 22 weeks old. And he didn't move very much because he was using all of his energy attempting to breathe. And I remember toward the end of his life, I couldn't tell if he was alive or not unless I held him up against the light to see if I could see his little heart beating through his chest wall because their skin is so thin at that age. And after he was pronounced dead, we folded his little arms across his chest. We tied them together with a little string and I wrapped him in a shroud and took him to the morgue where we took all of our other dead patients. All right, brothers, uh, there, there you heard it. There's uh, a nurse from an abortion clinic recounting, you know, giving an account of some of the things that she observed there. Uh, and I said abortion clinic. I'm not sure if that was an abortion clinic or not, but uh, there was somewhere uh, that they actually performed abortions. It may have been you know, a hospital it, where they uh, performed abortions. Yes, I, on that point, you know, I, I've actually worked at a, a Planned Parenthood early on, 14, 15 years old, during uh, the summer work program in New York mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. And the, what I want to discuss really is just the uh, the mental state and attitude of the people who work there. And I can tell you firsthand, these people, you know, of course, it's mostly women, who work there are extremely uh, cold and distant and and inhumane. I mean, they're almost like just automatons that just perform these acts and it seems to have no moral impact on them. They just completely like uh I wouldn't even say neutral, really indifferent. That with uh the babies and these lives that are being extinguished, uh it, it almost doesn't even register with them. And this is what I noticed and was able to watch and see working there. And it you know, it it's um it was quite an experience. So, I mean, I know firsthand, you know, in these places uh, what these women are dealing with. You know, of course, there were certain restricted areas I couldn't go simply for the fact that I was a male working there. I mean, I had to stay in the office area and process things. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is that the directors and the administrators and the, and, and the, women, and the women working there in these positions, cold, distant, and almost inhumane. Well, let me ask you, brothers, you know, we, we come uh, full circle on this whole subject about abortion and even the, the post-birth abortions and so forth, um, and we can see that this is incredibly wrong, but then you have people uh, like Margaret Sanger, uh, who's come up with the notion that somehow this is to uh, one answer to many of the world's ills. Um, and then you have people today like Barack Obama that have taken up the same mantle and is running with it. Uh, can you, brother, shed some light 
since you know the scriptures is speaking against this, obviously there's no doubt about it. I mean, no doubt. I mean, if you if you read the scriptures with just a little bit of understanding, it's very clear. So, could you say, shed some light as to why these things are actually occurring? All right. What is that, that scripture in First John? You know, what I'm talking about because that 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 sheds a whole gang and two thirds of light. Um, First I think John, two fifteen. Is that it? Mm, I look at the one that says the world is uh, wicked. Just absolutely wicked. Thank First you. John 5.19. First John 5.19, it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So there's there's a lot of light that's just shed right there. This whole world as it is right now, in this current state, is purity and gross and wickedness. Things that are against the commandments, things that are against the teachings of Christ are the very things that are promoted and accepted uh, uh, day in, day out in, in this society. And that's the reason, that's one reason why things are as they are right now. Now, the other part of it, if you brothers don't mind, the other part of it is still going into repentance. For us to, for, for us to survive and deal with the gross wickedness of this world, we have to repent. And learn of Christ and follow Christ and, and, and apply his teachings that way when we when we will have studied and learned and applied these things, we can identify that which is truly wicked and that which is truly righteous because if not just going along with society and how the flow or how things are going on in the society will be swept away in the same wickedness, but the heavenly Father and his mercy left us to, left us his son and the teachings of his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can know what truly is right and what truly is wrong, and that we can make our decisions and our choices in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Also, also in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, because we see, you see a progression going on, a progression into greater and greater, uh, I guess you can call atrocities, and 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 the inhumanity that's going on all over the world. I mean, just I mean, just the cruelty and the the barbarism that continues to just increase exponentially. In Matthew chapter twenty four and verse ten, and what I'm about to read is talking about people who are in the body of Christ. So these are people who are supposed to understand, but you're going to see. What the effects of sin has on them Now imagine people without understanding Which is the world we're talking about Matthew mm-hmm. 24 and 10 says And then shall many be offended And shall betray one another And shall hate one another Meaning offended at the gospel of Christ Betraying one another Giving giving each other up over to the magistrates To be destroyed and killed For the gospel of Christ And the scripture says And shall hate one another and it says, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. That's what we have going on in the world today. All the deception, people saying Christ is here, Christ is there, and deceiving many, and people following them and being led astray. Verse 12 is a point in Matthew 24, and it says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's what we have going on. If that happens in the body of then what is going on in the world? 
And it's, it shows you an exact relationship. As sin, which is iniquity, iniquity is a, a mm-hmm. son of the sin, as sin increases, love decreases, all right? Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The more sin grows, the less, the more love is extinguished until you have a cold, heartless, wicked world, which is what we have today. And that's why you continue to see uh, things like this going on. Uh, to the point where children after they're born are just simply murdered. Wow. So just so, on that point, Josiah, uh, um, speaking about the love of many, because love according to the scriptures is the keeping of the commandments. So that's why you can see, you know, killing of a newborn child, a child is born, and then it'll be left to die. Like no one finds that a problem. It hasn't been stopped. There hasn't been an outrage in the countries like, no, nah, this can't happen. People don't care because what? The commandments are not emphasized anymore. The commandments are going out of style in this world. Going out of style. Are they going uh, out of style or are they already going out of style? Well, I think the latter. You know, it, it, when when you look at that, you know, the scripture that Zaka brought out and, and John, um, what what are you supposed to do? I mean, if the whole world lies in wickedness, what do you what can you do about this? Because it's, it can, can you actually affect some type of change on this? Like even even just the abortion issue alone, just just take that one issue. If you decide to dedicate your life to it, are you going to affect any change on that? Anybody can respond to that. Okay. Yeah. It, the scriptures tell you, because the thing is, uh, there's, a, there's a carnal aspect of us that want, that jerks us into feeling like we need to become activists for any particular cause or, 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 or idea. But we, we got to really stay, the servants of Christ really have to stay focused. And like the scripture mm-hmm. says, not become entangled with the affairs of this world. So here's here's how we contribute. Matthew chapter five and verse sixteen it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what we have to do. The light that it's talking about is so is us applying the commandments through repentance and following Christ's example. That's how a light that's going to shine before men. So they're going to see those good works in and how the spirit is going to affect them, how God is going to affect them, because it's not us doing anything, it's the most high exerting on them so that they can glorify the most high, which is in heaven. Meaning the spirit is going to lead them in the direction that they're supposed to be going through repentance. We've been using that as an example, setting that, that example and that light to the good work that we're doing through Christ. And then they seeing that and through repentance acknowledging that, begin to change their ways. That's how it happens. It doesn't happen by us getting picket signs or going in front of a Planned Parenthood and or planning bombings or anything like that. That's not how we affect change. That's not the proper way we're supposed to go. The proper way we go is Matthew 5 and 16. We live our lives. Because people will say that, we'll, like, like the brother just said, people are going to say that, you know, the commandments are out of style, it's archaic and everything, but we're going to be living, breathing examples that everything that they're saying is a lie. And that an example was set before them so that in the day of judgment, no one is going to be able to say, I didn't know. 
that's not going to happen. So as right. long as we, but as long as we have the works of Christ and show forth those works like Christ did, and let mm-hmm. our light shine, then that that example of repentance is going to be in the world for those who are ordained to repentance. But you know, a lot of people argue that Christ was perfect. You know, we're not perfect. We commit sin. You know, so what, what are you talking about? Well, Christ, Peter, let's go ahead. Uh, it says, this is Second Timothy 3 and 13. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Because what we're looking at right now are evil men, and they're promoting the, promoting the doctrine, and it's making things so it's become worse. First, they t- they're talking about abortion, which is murder. Now they're saying, well, once the child is born, you still can do it. Then what, what, what they could go on in the future and say, well, maybe up to five years old. They don't have to understand it, so you can kill them up to five. They're going to wax worse and worse, and that's what we're seeing in these times. But it says, but... Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast um, known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So despite all that's going on in the world, despite all of the wickedness, and the wickedness is going to continue to grow in this world, it says that we have to remain assured that we're in these scriptures. And one thing that we're assured of also is that vengeance belongeth unto the Lord. He's going to repay. So a brother that brought out we don't have to go bombing abortion clinics and all that, no, we don't have to. And another thing is we're not going to go out there and change anyone or stop anyone. Only thing that we can do is go out there, teach the word, assure the people that it's true, and live that example, and then perchance they might be saved as well. But it goes on to say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God. So, you know, here's the excuse. Well, only Christ is perfect, but it says the scriptures are so good that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So why does it say that, that we'll be th- truly furnished unto all good works? We have an example, and that example is Christ. And Christ did no sin. Christ was perfect. So the scriptures let us know that through us applying what this word says, we can be perfect just as Christ is perfect by living our lives according to what this word says and forgetting everything else. And along the way, we have to teach those that want to change because I can say this and just be honest, I didn't always feel the same way that I feel about abortion as I do now, now that I've learned the scriptures. But that all comes from what? Learning them and repenting from my prior sins. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I wanted to read Second um, Timothy four and two. It says, "Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." So we're supposed to preach the word in season, out of season. We bring that reproof, that rebuke. So we may be speaking. We're not um, going to go and pick it places, but, you know, there's brothers that go out and speak. We have radio shows like this one where we're talking about this and we're proving these evil doctrines of devils. And for those that are seeking to serve the Lord, we're exhorting them with the scriptures and the doctrine of Christ. Verse 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
So many people are not conforming themselves to what the Bible is saying. They're finding someone maybe like a Margaret Sanger, or they're going to follow um, that Sherry Shepherd on The View and say, you know, that's right. Uh, I, I'm not mentally uh, stable to uh, to, to uh, raise a child. That's what people are doing today because the time is wicked, verse mm-hmm. 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. What is the truth? Christ is the truth. So many people are turning themselves away from Christ and the truth of the scriptures that Christ taught, and what are they turning to? They turn it onto fables. They turn it onto lies and things that these people are promoting. Where now you can murder your child. The baby's born. It's not, it's alive. It's a breathing. You're gonna just let it die. That's that's madness. But you but you know by by way of this uh that nurse that the witness nurse uh, that talked about what she saw that that's happening right now, where babies are born alive. You know they're alive. They're breathing. But they're letting them die because that's part of the abortion process. Which goes back to the scripture that says, uh, that Kabar brought out, well, where the love of many shall wax cold. Here it is. You got a live baby, you know, a person, a human mm-hmm. being, yeah. living, breathing, moving, screaming, you know, that all evidence of life, but yet and still, and, and that child has need. That child has need, but yet and still, the needs of that child are being ignored. So when, so you, that when you take truly is the love of many uh, waxing coal. So when you take into account then that right now they have uh, abortions that the 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 birth is induced, so the the fetus is aborted uh, or the baby is aborted actually because these are these babies are, are breathing and in one instance the baby uh, lasted a whole shift, lived for a whole shift. So all it needed was a little help, and it probably would have continued to live for a whole life, lifetime, you know what I mean, you know, until adulthood. Um, but so it's not a far-fetched um, possibility that at some point they could extend this so that you're going to have just a natural childbirth with, with no uh, induction of, of labor or anything like that where this baby is born. And then at that point they decide, well, we're just going to let it die. It's madness. It's absolute madness. That's it's that that is wickedness at a high level, and that's the point. Of, point of, put it blank, uh, blank, bluntly and blatantly. And of course, the brother Gadaiwan and uh, the brother Akurai that have to show from darkness to light. Uh, you know, upcoming Tuesday, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday this week, in which they really get into issues like stuff like this and talk about it, and they really ex- and they really expose the true wickedness that exists in practices like this. But I also would like to read the scripture, and this is Hebrews 4.15, for it says, for we, have an, we, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That high priest is talking about Jesus Christ, and, and the scriptures are explaining that Christ isn't in some lofty position, or he, 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 he doesn't know what it is to be tempted he doesn't know what it is to be tried because he was himself tried, yet he did not yield himself to sin. Now, the point is in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, in other words, let us repent and come boldly to that throne of grace. Let us repent and return to Jesus Christ and receive that grace, receive that mercy so that we may find that grace, like the scripture says, to help in time of need. 
In other words, as we repent and grow and grow in that grace and mercy, we receive help from the Heavenly Father, which could be in the form of other brothers, other sisters, counsel, reading the scriptures, things uh, that, uh, that, uh, that we learn out of the scriptures that we can apply to our lives so that we're not caught up in this wicked and perverse society that we're currently living in. All right. Well, uh, anybody else? I got anything else that they want to bring out on this topic? Just one okay. scripture. Because mm-hmm. um, um, just overall, just remembering this one point, Psalms 127, verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. The Most High said children are going to be a blessing. When we apply the scriptures, train them up in the way that they should go, raise them according to the word, teach them, then they're a blessing. And children don't come all perfect as we think that they should come. They come with all kinds of different ways. They come with things that you have to teach them. They come with things they have to learn. They come with disabilities. They come with some things that are difficult for them to overcome. But it doesn't say only normal-born children or regular children are, are the heritage of the Lord, so to speak. It says, lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. So as we know that that's the Lord's heritage and the Lord blesses us to take care of them in this earth, then we better do the best job that we can to take care of those children, whether they're born of you, stepchildren, whatever. They're your children. They're the most high children first, and he's given us the responsibility to take care of them, and we just better make sure that we do the job that he put us here to do as parents in the Lord. Yeah. You know, Kadar, I just thought about one other thing that I want to touch touch with you, uh, because somewhere there's going to be someone that this is going to occur to, and uh, we may as well go ahead and get out there right now, because in the scriptures, uh, in the Old Testament, it talks about how when you bring sacrifices, that uh, the sacrifices are supposed to be perfect. They're not supposed to be any blemish, blemish in them. It's supposed to be the best of the best. They can't be crippled or anything like that. And then it also talked about those that are going to serve in, in uh, the priesthood, how uh, they couldn't have, as far as high priests, they couldn't, there couldn't be anything wrong with them. Okay. So now, fast forward to now under Christ, this, this, this new covenant. How does that apply at this point? Because, you know, some people may say, well, here's, here's someone who's imperfect. They can't serve the Lord anyhow because they're imperfect. They, they got blemishes. They, they're crippled or whatever. They have these disabilities. Isn't that what the scriptures, scriptures were talking about? You make but, apples and oranges, bro. <laughs> and when you look at what back then, it was taught there was all kinds of things. You couldn't be a priest if you weren't a Levite. So we know that now under Christ it's a whole new kingdom and there's a whole new um, priesthood, priesthood that's set up. And that priesthood is now under Christ where it's not dealing with all those different things, but it's dealing with us being sincere in the Lord. And like we read in Second uh, Timothy's earlier about us, what, doing the things that we've been taught from birth and, and being those men and women of the Lord. What about that notion of, about blemishes and so forth that is spoken about in the Old Testament? How does that work now under the New Testament? Well, let me read this scripture. This okay. is uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Because um, 
It's interesting you said that because um, I was speaking to this guy at my job, and he, he had been reading the Bible, and, you know, I dealt with the Bible and, and teach the Bible, so he's speaking to me. And so he read in the Bible where it says that a bastard shouldn't enter into the congregation. Right. And he was like, yo, I was reading this. He said, what about me? So Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So once you come in Christ, you repent in Christ, it's a spiritual reconciliation, not a physical thing. So whatever ailments or things you have, once you repent in the name of Christ and you start doing the things that Christ did, then you become a new creation. You become a new creature. You become born again. So it's a whole totally new start, a new beginning. So all those things in the past are gone. Mm-hmm. I would like to also read that scripture if at all possible. Uh, I'm sorry, Romans 12 is what I'm referring to. Because you were, you were referring to, you know, blemishes and things of that nature. And as Godiva has already brought out, all that has been reconciled in Christ. Christ is, was, is that last and perfect sacrifice. There's nothing else that we can sacrifice, no matter how perfect, no matter how flawless we may think it may be, that can surpass Christ. There isn't. Christ is the last and perfect of the sacrifices. Now, let's look at Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we're supposed to present ourselves a living sacrifice. Notice the paradox, so to speak, living sacrifice. In mm-hmm. other words, we're living, but yet these lives that we live, how we live, it's not according to what we think. It's not according to what we feel. It's according to the will of the Heavenly Father. So for any person that may be, quote, unquote, handicapped or may be, quote, unquote, crippled or whatever ailment or disability or, or incapacity that you can think of, if they're repentant in Christ and they're living and applying to their lives the teachings of Christ, that person in himself is, is and they're striving to be perfect as, as Christ described it in Matthew 5, 48, that is sacrifice enough, which is that reasonable service. And verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. In other words, do not let this society and its evil and wicked doctrines form or shape or formulate your opinion, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, we're supposed to be transformed by the scriptures in repentance and following Jesus Christ so that we can prove or demonstrate or show through our example that perfect will and acceptable will of the heavenly Father. And, um, and that's, your, that's, that's for any person. Also, also going with that question mm-hmm. you asked, because mm-hmm. all of those things that you were quoting about the sacrifice, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and so forth, that was all under the Levitical priesthood. We're going to read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 now. It said, if therefore perfection by the Levitical, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Because as we read on, we're going to find out that now we're not under that, that Aaron lineage, which was of the Levites, but we're under another priesthood now, which cometh of Christ. 
So if we were able to obtain perfection under that, which is all the things that you were bringing out, there wouldn't have been a need for Christ. But we're going to mm-hmm. find out. For the priesthood being changed. So what I was saying, this is what the scriptures say. The priesthood was changed. There's, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So those laws pertaining to the priesthood and so forth, we know that those things aren't applicable in this time because now the priesthood is under Christ, and we have to follow that as we go forward in serving the Most High. It goes on to say, For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. So Christ came out of, we'll find out, verse 14, for it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood, because the Judites, or the tribe of Judah, were not the priests, it was the Levites. So now, being that Christ came out of the, of, of the line of Judah, and being that there was a change of the priesthood, it goes on to tell us, and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifies, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So now we're not going through that way of being the line of Aaron and so forth and being the priest. Our high priest is Christ. He's the example that's been set for us. He teaches us how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to grow. And if a man, despite of whatever things that he's dealing with, repents, wants to follow the commandments, learns the word and teaches the word, that man is able to be a priest of the Lord. Okay. Well, all praises for that. Anybody else got anything else before we uh, finish with the program? I would only say I would only say uh first country in six and nine. Um it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God and this is the call to repentance because it's we don't want to suffer the consequences of continuing in our sins. So this is the call to repentance. It says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers or effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind. No thieves, no covetous, no drunkards, no revelers, excuse me, revilers, no extortioners, and you can add in there uh, no murderers because it's the same judgment for those for that kind of act also. It says what shall inherit the kingdom of God. So this goes to show us that God has given us a space of repentance through Christ to come back to Him and to keep His commandments and to escape the destruction that's coming. So everybody has fair warning and ample opportunity to repent. So let this be a warning to us that we may go forth and apply the most high commandments through Christ and receive that mercy and salvation. Okay. All right. Well, brothers, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me here. And a special thanks to our uh, special uh, guest here on the panel, um, Kadar and Kadiawan. But uh, also uh, a thanks to our brothers Kabar, Kazakia, and Abaja, who's holding down the producing uh, today. Uh, but i also like to issue a thanks to uh, the brothers and sisters that are uh, joining us there in the chat room and those that may uh, join us in the archives at some point in the future. Until next time, I'd like to say to everyone, the most high in the name of Christ, bless you, and shalom. 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 Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room 
of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom.